We here at hearmenowbrother.org are constantly striving to bring you, our faithful listeners, the most cutting-edge discourse on what it is to be modern man in an incredibly hostile modern world. With that said, we've gathered a plethora of student scientists, amateur philosophers, and other Carl Sagan fanatics together all for one purpose, to prove that machines are self-aware. Well, I'm proud to announce, in our own small way, we've struck on some success. That's right. They totally came through, and by means of a little magic, and a little hope, and a little bullshit, we've broken the barrier of what has divided man from the technological tools he employs on a daily basis. Try to wrap your brain around that, and then stop taking yourself so seriously. This is only a podcast. <laughs> so, we're in the realm of meta-whatever, bitch. We could be getting the Nobel Prize for this, for all we know. Technology doesn't have to be like Skynet, okay? It doesn't just want to nuke us. When we become cyborgs in the future, we will have a more cordial relationship, thanks to the first steps, the first pioneering steps that we're taking tonight. <laughs> And welcome back to Year X of the Triune Gods New Zion. My name is Seth, and with my brother Nathan, we're going to spend the next three hours sharing the good news that he has made manifest in us. We encourage you to sit back and listen with an open heart. Brother Nathan, what do you have to tell our other brothers and sisters on this fine California evening? Well, if you're just going to, you know, throw the, throw the soapbox down, I'll step on it and I'll, uh, I'll address the people. We haven't really talked about our religious beliefs yet. Oh, sorry. And a Hear Me Now Brother episode. Proper, like you're proper, you know, I'm trying to be proper. Well, uh, we haven't talked about our religious beliefs. Are we religious? Nah. You want to go into that on, on, this, on this show right now? Boom, boom. No. I don't, I don't want to do it. That's just such a boring we may have thing to talk about right now. 20 listeners, and they're all atheists. We want to keep these guys, you know? <laughs> we love everybody, you know? We'll get back to that in the future. But anyway, what, what, what do I want to address people? Uh, it is evening, and we are It is episode X. Episode X. Finally, huh? That's, that's something I can take from that. I think all the episodes that came before have built up to this moment. That's what I think. Ten-year anniversary, yeah. I mean, X. So, I mean, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be podcasting. Yeah, um, still alive. We're on a lot more of a schedule than we were before. We try weekly, uh, tri- <laughs> quad weekly, monthly. When the show goes up, though, the listeners come back, and I'm I'm happy to see the numbers there are still kind of going up. So in the last three weeks, or four weeks, or month, or two months since we really started recording and did something current. What, is, what has happened? Well, you might be asking that, and you probably aren't. You probably are just listening to this for the first time because we gain new listeners and then drop them very quickly. <laughs> but constant it, cycling. Yes, constant cycling. That's how through, we like it. That's through about like 20 people. Like the Pacific Ocean. Yes, just, yes, 20 people try us out, 20 people ditch us, and then another 20 replaces. But I don't know how long that can go. We might keep one of each bunch. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe one, and then over time, just it just accumulates like evolution. We get... You know, yeah, but what have we been doing? What have we been build doing? Build up like that. Um, well, we we finished our movie, The Merciful Death of Jonas Blake. Yeah, it's completely it is a finished. Western. Uh, there is a trailer up on my MySpace. That's myspace.com slash brother. If you'd like to look at that, we are not putting it online. I, I did mention that 
I don't want to do that just yet because we are showing it throughout the LA. Yeah, we're going to have LA. some more screenings outside of our uh, initial premiere screening. And we want people to turn out, you know, as a party. Yeah, we want people to actually pay for this. <laughs> right? But they'll pay for the whole experience. You know, we'll be up there in our uh, matching lavender tuxedos. and uh, Right, and we'll be presenting, and it'll be amongst other filmmakers so that you can get a, you know, if you don't like our film, you can like another film, possibly. It's all yeah, amateur hour. So that's coming up, you know, I look forward um, to that. Mark that uh, on your calendars, but we haven't we don't, given you a date. We haven't given you a date, and we but, don't uh, give you any promises that it'll ever happen. It could be four or five months, could be never, you know. It's, but uh, we want you to be here. We so want you to be listening. The point of it is, when it gets down to the brass tacks, I just finished the DVD. DVD. We are going to definitely be giving it to people or uh, making it available if you would like to watch it. It predates the podcast. I mean, we started in September, and I think we it's been a year since we started the film, so it took us a good year. We have a DVD now that has a documentary Super, of what we made. Yeah, it's a very pretentious DVD. I did make a little documentary for the video cast, if you've been watching those, and I smashed them all together and added some the ending, because the ending was never put up as a video cast. I was planning on that. Oh, yeah, well, yeah they're going to see all, yeah. of our, all of our warts and all there. So uh, that might be fun for some of the people to see how we... Uh, how we make our films and, and how low our budgets really are. <laughs> so, so yes, that, that film has formed the pretext of this film, uh, of this, rather, this podcast up until now. And we are putting it out and we are just starting now to formalize how we're going to get it out there to hopefully to festivals and use it as a presentation piece for what we do. Yeah, and as um, we do that, as we do that, as we become more uh, businessmen or business-minded, we will share some of which our is ideas. almost impossible for us. But but you, I think it's fair to say, Nathan, that that's we're we're learning as we go. Right? Yeah, we're learning, you know, step by step, just like uh, two thousand foot. Chinese and wall. I think what's beginning to appeal to me personally, and you can you can speak to me if you disagree or agree. Mm-hmm. To me, the idea of taking an entrepreneurial stance to filmmaking and doing it ourselves in an independent way and finding money and doing everything from the ground up mm-hmm. seems much more appealing than maybe trying to go sell a script. Now that we've got a taste of, a really, yeah. of really making it on our own and have knowing breathing down our necks. I it mean, felt good. It's just Admit why it. go back and yeah. step back. I mean, it takes it takes a hell of a lot of work to do this, so you might as well do your own work. Right? I mean, you might as well, if it's going to be the hardest work you've ever done in your life, it might as well you might as well totally believe in it. And I can honestly say that I totally believe in what I'm doing creatively. That's probably could, what and most I, people I are think doing. we're both we're both just. We, there, there, there's nothing else we could do. So we're the boss men, huh? We're the boss men. We're the boss of ourselves. Yeah, sounds pretty cool. And um, and I and I love making friends with people that are doing this. If they're if they're writing or if they're doing music, if they're drawing comics, I don't care. Whoever is is trying to make it happen on their own, even if they're writing one sentence yeah. a day, we're in your camp. We are all fighting the good fight, and we're trying to change the way people. I don't know. Yeah, Inter- how they how they communicate flow, with the, with right? movies because it just seems like movies the system is getting to be especially with filmmaking the system is becoming very uh, prohibitive and Definitely. only crappy movies are getting out of the gate and I think there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better. I don't want to be. I don't want to be dead serious. This is a comedy show, right? We're entertainers. We're comedy slash entertainment slash art. We slash love fun stuff on Hear Me Now, brother, and we're gonna show you some fun stuff in the coming segments we've got three kick-ass segments for episode x episode x we're bringing out we're rolling out the big wagon the trojan horse coming out we're coming out with our swords and daggers and we're ready to kill so uh let's move it on
Nathan doesn't make a lot of money. He might as well just be homeless on Skid Row. You've staked it out. You've found the warm places. you found the places where you could bins. you could maybe put a little mat down. A fake wall, yeah. You know, Use my painting skills get, to paint yeah. a brick wall so I'm out there. Get I'm one of your dirty it. pillows without the pillowcase on it. Yeah, just, oh, this yeah. is fun. It's fun. It's fun to make fun of my misfortune and my Nathan poverty. Nathan frequently wants to eat, as we all do every day. I have Sometimes Nathan during the day. Uh, has told me stories about how all he had was flour. And somehow you tried to make some sort of chemical bread there was a period with flour in and a mixture of water and something else. Yeah, some sort a, of a... There was a period in college where you just open up the fridge. And I, and I had a meal, honestly. I had a meal yeah, of yeah. Arm & Hammer flour and, and a light bulb. And, and, and it was... It was the best meal I've ever had, you know, at that time. And You were living this bullshit artist life. I mean, know? everybody can relate to that. I mean, eating yeah. macaroni and cheese over Over here sink, at Miracle you know? Mile Studios, we're so used to, to not eating um, for our... We're pretty Spartan on our meals here, yeah. What do, I think we've only got pasta. And uh, mainly pasta and frozen pizzas and a lot of water. A lot of Arrowhead water. A lot of Arrowhead water, which which is a pretty bad diet. Now. And then and then about $300 a week on eating out. <laughs> Probably. That's our budget, yeah, $300. <laughs> um, so with that said, we've got the Binate Lunch The Binate Lunch, I'm ready this for is it. A series I bombed where, the last one. I didn't get shit. This is a series man. where uh, I asked Nathan a series of questions. And to the degree that he gets them right, I will buy him a lunch. I'm ready for him, but I got that instant acid wash of nervousness. Nathan has to get four out of five for me to buy him a sizable lunch. Four something, out of five. A five to six dollar lunch, some, something like, you know, nothing, nothing extravagant. Um, but food. And then if Nathan gets three out of five right, I will buy him a beer, which can sometimes take the place yeah, of food because if you get drunk, you forget you're hungry. For Not food. a light beer, just straight up. Yeah, you yeah, forget your pain and good. you forget all these things that you've got to deal with. Well, I'm game. I'm here. So <laughs> my ass is right Let's just here. dive right into it. This is a, a great, fun little segment, and I pick all the answers, yeah, questions, fun, and fun the answers you. are very much relying on me. Okay. Because so gotta, if you, gotta, you've got to you've get, get in my head. Number one, what is the other planet in our solar system besides Earth that may contain life? Oh, the multiple choice? I'm sorry, multiple choice. SETI Alpha 5, mm. Venus... Arrakis, desert planet. Titan. The question is again, what is the other planet in our solar system besides Earth that may contain life? Do you want the... It's uh, E, Mars. <laughs> Can I get that one? No, that might have contained life years ago, but it does not. Okay, but I'll choose... Do you want me to say them again? Give me, give me a little... SETI Alpha 5. <laughs> Venus. Arrakis, desert planet. Or Titan. Let's go for number one. You're not good at No. Number one is setting up five. Yeah, they're all fictional, aren't they? No, one is real. I'm not I'm not oh, joking Venus. around here. It's Titan. Oh shit. Saturn's moon Titan. Interesting fact. 
Studies indicate that the most important and adventurous, or rather advantageous target in the solar system for colonization may indeed be this moon of Saturn. <laughs> Thanks, man. Astrologist, yeah, astrologist a... and nuclear arms dealer Robert Zubrin, Zubrin identified Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune as the Persian Gulf of the solar system, <laughs> where they are being the largest sources of lethal spaceborne radiation, awesome concentric ringage, and helium-3. Ah, we're going to get there in my lifetime, so let's with, move on. Let me continue. With which humans may drive the pending fusion economic apocalypse. Number two. According to L. Ron Hubbard, our souls are the ghosts of what alien race? One, that terrifying gray on the cover of Whitley Straber's Communion. Oh, I'm scared of that. Two, Thetans. Three, Cardassians that have been assimilated by Borg. Four, Yatya. Five, Ben Gesserit. Six, Xenomorphs. I think it was number two. You're going to go with number two, Thetans. Thetans. The answer is correct. Yes! Scientology's deepest, darkest secret is that Xenu, an alien ruler of the Galactic Confederacy, brought billions of people to Earth 75 million years ago on a space plane that looks exactly like a Boeing 737. Upon arriving to Earth, Xenu promptly stacked these people around volcanoes and blew them up with a series of timed hydrogen bombs. <laughs> Their souls then clustered together and stuck to the bodies of the living and continue to cause problems to this very day. The story of Xenu is part of a much wider range of Scientological beliefs okay. in extraterrestrial Xenu. civilizations and alien intervention in Earth events. A collectively, oh my computer, uh, podcasting, professionalism, uh, people pay a ton of money to learn this shit, and I thought I'd just cut the middleman out and tell you that so these are Thetans the... are our are, are souls, what we, so, according Thetans. to Scientology, and... And That's the one that John Travolta played in Battlefield Earth, right? Those are the Thetans? No. That's how I well, got the we, answer. Those were the, the Cyclos. <laughs> Cyclos. <laughs> the dreadlocked bad guys. Yeah, some ugly dudes there. Forrest right. Whitaker. And, oof. True or false? According to scientists, the sun may explode in 2012. Is that a true or false? Is true that or false. Oh, shit. Uh, true. False. It's going to blow, man. <laughs> Nate, that was, that was a, a, a softball. <laughs> anyway, from the oh, weekly, well, from our I'm friends, from our, this from our friends at the Weekly World News, the sun is overheating and will soon blow up, taking Earth and the rest of the See, solar system with it. Scientists warn. The alert was issued after an international satellite photographed a massive explosion on the surface of the sun <laughs> that sent a plume of fire 30 times longer than the diameter of the Earth blasting into space. It's a sign that the sun is ready to blow. <laughs> I don't know if I could put it any more plainly than that, says Dutch astrophysicist Dr. That's all Piers Vandermeer. That's all false? This is the funny story about this story. It, it ran in the Weekly World News, a hmm. paragon of journalism. If there ever was one, you see them every day at, yeah. at Ralph's, right next to Us Weekly. Right which next is to uh, 40 and Times there, mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, Yahoo took this story up and Yahoo. put it on the page under their arts and entertainment section. And... Well, I think they said the source is Weekly World News, this was, but if you don't know what a... Weekly World News is, forget it. Okay? Man. Other news sources picked it up. It became kind of like news. It's going to blow! Real, legitimate news. This is not a lie. <laughs> this happened like two years so ago. So it is kind of true. Huh? Well, the people thought it was. Yahoo thought it was. I think all the pollution that we're expelling into the air the, the, is just going to blow that shit right yeah, up. Yeah, it won't matter if the sun blows or not. But um, I just love it that a scientist would say it's going to blow. <laughs> I like when anybody says, it's going to blow. All right, number four. Let's keep going. According to Jesus, I am the way. However, according to that rat bastard atheist Carl Sagan, science has empirically proven that God, and therefore Jesus, should be relegated to the dustbin of history in which we place all of our former superstitious beliefs. Nathan, 
-hmm. My question to you is this. Is Carl Sagan in hell right now, or did God respect him for being so honest and let it slide? I'm a-thinking, I'm a-thinking, CS and JC have some water under the bridge. So I let, let it slide. What do you think? Let it slide. I'm sorry, wrong answer. Dude, oh, dude is totally in hell. hell. He's burning in hell. And, uh, yeah, in fact, um, Satan is using his skull as a goblet. Well, I'm right getting all these the wrong, but, but the minute I said, you know, he probably let it slide, I kind of just imagined Carl singing in hell, so... Ah, poor guy. All right, final final question. I think I can get still get you a beer if I'm not. If I get one right, you got Thetans right. Oh, I got the Thetans right. Yeah. You only got the Thetans right. Anyway. Come on, can we do it like uh, let's 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 play this game like golf? This uh, is for since wins. we're in science and smart people. Um, who's the hotter of these two men's a level brainiacs? Okay. Okay. And I'm gonna associate them with a certain movie when I thought they were they could have been hot. The fabulous not. group we call them. Okay. Contact era Jodie Foster mm -hmm. or long kiss goodnight era Gina Davis. Mm, who's hotter? Who's hotter in the and in, in those two movies? We're talking we're talking sex appeal, huh? Long kiss goodnight. <laughs> Gina Davis. Right answer, man. Because she really was attractive yeah, in that I mean, film. I, uh, you know, she was she was really attractive in she, that she film. was pretty hot in that one. She yeah. had a lot of eyeliner. Something about Gina, she's larger than life. Yeah, Jody's Jody's off putting. She's she yeah, very off putting. And and kinda hard. Kind yeah, of masculine in sexual, a way that it, yeah. it's something different with Jody. But Gina, there's sex you know who I thought was comparable all the time. Just just before we end this <laughs> delightful segment, I'm I got that one. Oh, Sarah Connor. What's her name? Beauty and the Beast. Woman. Oh yeah. And Jodie Foster are similar I types can't of women. Her name. And yet, I still find Sarah Connor attractive. I really, I, I do find her attractive. In Terminator Two. Yeah. Yeah, have you thought about her in a while? Terminator 2, she's like... She's, she's masculine. Yeah. What's her name? <laughs> How can we can't think of her name? Oh, man. This is this is live podcast. We're not going to end this segment until we figure out her name. Oh, don't you hate it when this happens? Like, I can see her. Jim I, Cameron was uh, married to her. Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. End of segment. Yeah.
I'm glad that we're really making a push for this segment. We've gotten absolutely no feedback on anything. I think so. I, I think, think this it's is, popular. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> could this be just is, a drag. You know, it's a good opportunity for us to have a lot of fun. And in this segment of our top nine for episode X, we are going to talk about the great siblings of history, the, the great male brothers, the male siblings of history. I should qualify. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nathan has made up a list. I've spearheaded this. Yeah. I, I have. Um, I, I contributed a little bit, um, but oh, I'm just going to riff off what Nathan has well, done. Obviously, we all talk about all these these fabulous brothers. These are. Mo- I went back. I went back into the timelines, and I also. I think we'll. I think we'll find that a lot of them are from music, and a lot of them from entertainment. The what entertainment about history? Yeah, it bothers but me. History. We have. We have flown through it. This is a list for. Hear me now, brother. All right. All so right. let's go into our top nine brothers of all nine, time. Nine is is so close to the end. N- nine's on the edge. Number, number nine. nine. Number nine brothers of all time. Okay, the Baldwin brothers. All right, <laughs> these guys—they're on the short stack. Now, they're on the far how, end of the list. How many brothers are there in the Baldwin well, brothers? Well, first off, well, first off, everybody has a favorite. All right, everybody yeah. has a favorite Baldwin. You know, I know you got yours. I got mine. I can't imagine just to think about these brothers in general. I can't imagine the kind of Testosterone nights between these guys competing. They're all in the mm-hmm. entertainment show business. I mean, yeah, sitting in LA. Brothers. They look. There's together. something about them though that's beyond that. I mean, at first I'm thinking they're smacking their ass. You know, like Alex getting roles. You know, he's getting roles in uh, yeah. in Beetlejuice, and he's getting these. He's, he's high profile actor. You know, they, they must have been just like. But they have a sense of family. I mean, you can tell. I mean, yeah, yeah, you can definitely tell. You tell that when, when they're when they're in press together, they all they're all smacking ass. Yes, and you've seen all... them a lot in press together. Come on, Nathan. And I think there's one on the outskirts. There's I don't really know all the names. I don't. Is really there the care. drunk, the drunk eighteen year old? I think like... there's a drunk fat one, and then there's Stephen who has the real, you know, the, the candy, the candy clown face where he's got that kind of <laughs> Joker was, face. Yeah. Uh, Who's the hot? And one? he was the one that was in Usual Suspects. Stephen, uh, Billy Baldwin was kind of the hot. He's the, the hot young guy, the, the backdraft, the hot stud of, yeah. of of the brothers. But Alec is the father, the strength, the, the, the probably the most handsome one. He actually is my favorite. Alec, one. at his best, was the most handsome one. But I really love how he is physically turned into just a regular guy because he was he had really he's, good General more... Hospital good looks when he was young, and now Soap he's just looks, yeah. he's just like this regular looking man. With an actor's you really like, think about face? the brothers. When you really look at the Baldwin brothers, there's a strong gene there. I'd love to get a there's look at a the father. There's a strong face no. gene. I'd love to look at the father. I bet that is one handsome Baldwin. Or, or the, wouldn't it be great if the mother looked like them? It's like a face, it could be. a face thing, like a recessive DNA strand. It's just like your face can't not look like that. Okay, number eight, taking it down a notch. I got, a couple, I got, I got, I got a little bit of every kind of brother here. I got, we got identical twins on this list. We got guys that are brothers, <laughs> but in this one, we got half brothers. We got, I wanted to include Julian and and Sean Lennon. All right, Julian from the first marriage. Oh yeah, of John. to, to Ju- Julie. Uh, exactly, very very John's bitter name. against Yoko. Julian has had a had a career as a musician that should have been floundered. You know, and and Sean, who's more interesting, he was in, um, he's more indie rock. One of John Lennon's best. Songs, beautiful boy, is that yeah? Beautiful boy is about Sean. Uh, is is but about hey Jude. Sean. Say say Julian has a has a really oh, awesome. That's, that's link. a good argument because yeah. Hey Jude is a better song. Than I mean, they both have these beautiful songs about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Julian had a very close kinship with McCartney, and McCartney's kind of a you know like I can imagine him playing all sides. You know, he seems like a He's nice like, guy. Yeah, you you know my He's band's practical. breaking up because of your dad. But if I get into you and and, stri- hey and try to like strike at my my old friend's heart through his son, and write a song called Hey Jude. 
maybe I can get my revenge. Really, what is the history of Julian, though? The history of Julian is like, all he wanted was a little, you know, spank back. He wanted some money from John when he died. That's all he wanted, right? But Yoko, these guys aren't tight. Wow. In general, it's well documented. It's, I mean, Sean's doing his music, all right? Sean is protected. He's just like, he's Sean, comfortably, Sean is whatever. seems like a golden child. Well, he's yeah. comfortably smoking pot, you know, underneath the, the roof of Yoko's... Yoko's plastic world over there, you know what I mean? Like, he's protected. And and I, I'm, I, even now that I'm talking about him, I'm kind of jealous, you know? Just to talk about how cool these people are. I mean, <laughs> yeah, kind of an interesting yeah. thing. But it is interesting to note, just with these two guys, they're half-brothers. What's interesting to note about these two guys is that they both did lose their father at pivotal, for different reasons, but at pivotal moments. I mean, Yeah, either young or, or at a certain point. John I actually yeah. did lose him, you know, actually when he died. But they're half-brothers, just torn like a tin can from this tragedy, you know, but... Um, it's the fame of the father, you know, and and that's when I was when I was compiling these lists, I found that a lot of them yeah. have <laughs> I, patterns. I hate to be like looking at genetics, you know, because we were talking about the uh, Baldwin brothers' faces, you know, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. you know, John had a strong gene, and it mixed Hell really yeah. and it, with Sean. It mixed really well with Sean's and a, like yeah, and yo, like an Asian features, just like the eyes. Really interesting. Sean's look. eyes were almost like Asian as it was. He's and he's then, forever youthful too. I, I mean, so was John, and but Julian is a dead ringer for John. <laughs> so yeah, but he he's not a good songwriter. I mean, you know, all, most sons, even Jacob Dylan, you know, they're, they're not as good as, as their dads. But that's interesting and, to talk uh, about those guys, uh, and and but but think of their, you know, think of their exchanges in this world. There 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 really hasn't been any documented things about the problems with Sean, but. They both have that link, you know? There's a link there. And I, I don't know how they talk, you know? It's interesting. Okay, number seven, Joel and Ethan Cohen. Uh, so, Joel, it only makes seven because these guys are like, every time we talk about making movies with our relatives, they always go, no, this oh, list... they'll be the next Joel and Ethan Cohen. They're, the specter of Joel and Ethan Cohen hangs over all brother filmmakers. This list is kind of sporadic. I, I, I don't want to do it like a top nine. All right, but I'm just, saying I'm just saying, that we're I listing the brothers felt, that have come through. I have through. felt the clutches of Joel and Ethan and, and the success of Joel and Ethan because, in part, because they're brothers. People love that brother thing. I mean, it's hard not to talk about Coen Brothers just because they define kind of our humor at a certain upbringing in our life. Oh, yeah, Raising Arizona. Raising was Arizona. Years. I mean, come on. Blood Simple, their first film. From their first film. And Barton Fink. I mean, they got this... They got they got this yep. Yep. link. When you watch them, when you watch the films, you feel them. You know? You feel the two guys. And I always crack up every time I think about those two guys just writing and laughing together or like yeah coming up with a line and having a good time we don't have moments like that well no but we don't write comedy the thing about the thing about when they're writing it's like it's it's two people that come together as one really you think think, and we don't have that you think we uh get along we we clash horns like a couple of battle oxes you know do you think we will ever uh no uh, yeah no no i think this list is a start Right, start to mend. Next so up. moving on, number six, couple of awesome brothers. <laughs> we got Dweezil and Ahmed Zappa. All right, I don't, uh, I don't have a total relationship. I think Dweezil. I got, awesome. I got it all for us. So. And I feel bad about his breakup with Lisa Loeb. Uh, having really nothing more to bring to the table after their father laid a nuclear fireball flagellation of awesome on the world, you got to follow Frank Zappa, who yeah. was just incredible. They're a couple of good-looking guys. They're, they're probably talented, but it's on that strain of Frank Zappa talents. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, the the Z the Z name the Zap they keep the Zap Zapper. They kept strong through the, you know through the uh, early '90s. They had a band called AZDZ. You know, I mean, they, they, yeah. it's humorous. It's humorous, and they made a couple of solo records. You bought a CD oh. by them when we were very young. Something, something appealed to me about them. You know, they were yeah. just small. They're small. Horn. Of course, they're small idols mm-hmm. in my life now. I mean, like later, they become small idols in my life just because Ahmet married Selma Blair. You know, that's like, 
you know, Frank Zappa is still alive. His charm, his charisma is still alive. Yeah. And then, and then you mentioned Weasel was with, um, which first is an awesome with, girlfriend. First, Weasel. he was with Katie Wagner, who was who was Robert Wagner's, oh, Robert Wagner's eldest daughter, and, and she was adorable. in some great, a good string of. Wasn't she in the last days of disco or something? And then, yeah, she's really pretty. And yeah. then he was with Lisa Loeb, who we all kind of secretly have a crush on. You know what I'm saying? Well, not not really, but you know, we want to settle down nah, with Lisa Loeb. She's just. She's I mean, you know, it's like a woman who's eyes. you know, accomplished something. I guess. They're celebrities, Meek. I'll give you that. But who cares? Her father was Big Zappa, man. <laughs> and his shadow is long. I just I just felt for Dweezil, Dweezil when she like to break up with your girlfriend and then have her go on a show looking for men. Yeah, and and we'll move on. Not mentioning mm-hmm. Moon Unit. Number five, the Nelson Brothers. Okay, oh, I, I, I chose this as as a as a falling. I looked them up again recently. <laughs> yeah. I looked up what happened to them, and they do have a website. Both of I their almost hair... put Millie Vanilli on this, but they're not brothers. <laughs> both of their almost. hair is short. There was a period in around 1991 where I decided to just totally get into metal music, and I remember it was, that. Phase. But the problem was, I was I was very impressionable. I was about 12 or 11 years old, and metal music then at that point was Slaughter. Nelson, all of this yeah. just terrible. And I don't know if Nelson really fits the hair metal. Warrant, band. Warrant, you that was a little bit more hardcore for me. I, Motley Crue, you you <laughs> went in those dark, yeah those dark areas. But I but I I remember Nelson, Nelson rocked where I needed a... them to, but they were still poppy where I needed yeah. them because I was still coming off Bobby Brown. They were patty really cake, shitty pop patty music. cake kind of metal. I mean, and they were two twin. They're twin brothers. And I thought they were destined to be brilliant because their dad was Ricky Nelson. Even though I was 11 years old, I had no cultural reference for Ricky Nelson. I had never listened to one song by. But I, I just I remember, and I looked them up again recently. They both have short hair. They're both married. Yeah. They're both you know just knocking out some records on their own time. Gunner. They're fine. They've got you know they're financially secure. I remember their sister was on like fucking Law mentioning and Order. This. No yeah. mentioning this. I think tr- her name was Tracy Nelson. Tracy and, and I think just like them. She was like the female version of them, and they were both beautiful. So it was sort of like they. She she was they the most talented. She's the most talented Nelson. She was the Lady Jerry in the Seinfeld episode. We know where George thought this woman looked like Jerry. She looks kind of like Helen her. Slater. And I, I kind of look like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she has a big nose and whatever. But but those blue Ricky Nelson dreamlike eyes. There, the charisma comes right through the child. I mean, they had a tiff. They're gone. But Nelson. All right, number four. This is one that you brought to me, and 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 I and we we firmly agreed. We shook. That it, it was a bit of a stretch, but it needed to be on the list. Number four, we got White Earp, Doc what? Holiday, what? Brothers <laughs> Without Blood. <laughs> what, what, White Earp, Doc Holiday, because you don't want you really want them to be brothers. You don't want Virgil and Bill Paxson to be the brothers. You want White Earp and yeah. Doc Holiday because of the, the the final scene in in Tombstone where he goes to visit him at the, the, the sanatorium and and he's like dying and and they're just oh, it's just so it's such a it's a good movie. No, yeah. Tombstone's bad. Tombstone's kind saying? of a joke, but uh, but but uh, the Earp brothers are really a cool western thing and they are really they belong in there they were in deadwood they were in tombstone <laughs> they were in all the awesome places to be but the the you massive affair and, there and, between and, the brothers and yeah and the brothers come into this town and virgil's like i can't take this shit i mean this is stark you know i can't take this shit i'm gonna take over this town because people are dying and why it's like but i'm the badass i can't, I can't do this this is like don't yeah. get involved but he does it anyway and his brother gets killed by the bad gangs and so why it's got to be a badass and just yeah. go kill it, it's, with it's, it's, it's a Story about I mean, brothers, though. Yeah. It is, it and is he marries rich. an actress. I don't know. You know, just such wonderful. That's one of the great Western 
stories, and and these guys are the are really the great Western. It hinges on those. That I, they're the dark. They're the dark and white. You know, they're the black and white of of the well, whole story. What, what is what is but what is great white about the West is in them too, because they've got this law thing, but they're also just as violent as the Friendship people that with they the criminals. Yeah, yeah, that they faced and that they stood stood up against finally. So blood brothers without blood. Um, it's a nice. Decision. So it's really serious, but but and it's really for, informed by Tombstone, which I didn't like as a film. Um, it reminded me of City Slickers watching it again, but enough of the of the interest of the historical fact is there, and and they're better to it, me. They're better than Jesse it's, James. It's or, accurate yeah. in a way that it is it is a very colorful western, which which a lot of westerns have never been. But it's actually that's how they that's how they dressed, and I think that's a, a special I, I, thing to mention on the on, on Tombstone. And I think Doc Holliday is, is one of those kind of guys that should be an honorary brother. I prefer I prefer uh, Dennis Quaid's version in Wire, yeah. the Gavin Gaston uh, film. We're talking to you, Jason. You're you're our honorary. Hear me now, brother. He likes he likes the Tombstone. Yeah. Okay, number three. This one's just you know it's kind of cavalier. You know uh, the Wright brothers. <laughs> I think we got to honor them for their milestone in aviation. Yeah, it's pretty amazing uh, that the they, they, they they came up to it. They came to it both. At the same time, you I mean, know, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, way to go. No, wait, wait, way which, which, go, which right was the brother was like, I think we can make this work. I, I think the wings. The are, older yeah. one. The older, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty wait, amazing. Wait, wait, two wait brothers. Research, yeah. These are two brothers without even a high school diploma. I was reading up about them. Uh, both never married, also, which is kind of something we should mention on some. Some about brothers that work together, uh, uh, and Cohen, something that well, might. the Cohen brothers. Yeah. You know, uh, Ethan is with. Francis McDormand. Yeah, we didn't mention just that. Alone, what we're talking about, the Nelson brothers. They're they're married. I mean, these these are people that aren't still doing their work. But the the ones that come next, you know, never <laughs> never married, brother. Their connection is so strong that love with a woman or somebody outside of that of that relationship seems foreign. It's kind of spooky, you know. Number yeah. two is the same deal. Number two, the brothers Quay. Yeah, they're, we, they're, just, we just they're had a great twins. chance. We, they're identical twins, Stephen and Timothy, making. They're both from Pennsylvania. They're American boys, but, but they're awesome. They're, they're versions of awesome pan-Atlantic Americans that are born in Pennsylvania, go to England, somehow just find a, they find an amazing mythology yeah. around. They, These they are brothers this, that use the stop-motion animation. I mean, a lot of people might not even be familiar with their work. I just want to oh, you are gesture. You they, are through music videos and music videos. I mean, they, they gave us this this awesome short Street of Crocodiles and and I think a lot of them have been echoed through other artists I mean you can see Adam Jones work with Tool his music videos if you if you understand with like prison sex video and those things you'll know what the Quays do it, well, and they do you, it better if you watch I guess a lot of music videos but Romantic and, and Closer is definitely well, we just got um, a chance to see him over at the Academy in the Beverly Hills there and they yes they, we one of their sat first, in <laughs> one of their first uh, one of their first and only uh, American Q and A's, and and it was weird to see them speaking. Identical twins. They have this. They, these guys have a link more than. They, of course, they're both never married. <laughs> no, never married. Do, do you know that for sure? I bet you they're just married. And you don't even. There is no documentation about that. And the way they were talking, dude, they are in a. Uh, uh, they are in a five foot by six. Their foot lives are bunker. so private. You don't even know what's going on. Which there. is interesting. Who cares? That's not part of their their thing. It's interesting to talk about with brothers here that work strongly together. A lot of them. Don't have time, like you're saying. But their work is their work is very their work is very powerful and very influential to us. So number two, <laughs> number one, you you gotta be you gotta be reeling. You gotta be like, what? Oh, what, what what is he gonna pull out here? The Menendez brothers? Uh, you gonna bring all the BGs? These are all been considered, all been considered. But what I got on here, people that are low under the radar, but I think talent is growing. The Hanson brothers, number one, the Hanson brothers, the Hanson brothers. The, the only guys. the only one who's talented is the middle one. 
These guys. Okay, well, let the let the boy band smoke clear. Like, like clear right out of the room. All right. These guys are willed by emotion. These guys are. They, they have something to say. And I think. No. I think what are you they talking? They got nothing. They, uh, I don't like their songs or anything. Aren't they Mormons but, or something? Probably. But they're young guys. Young guys with talent. All right. And these guys started young. <laughs> All right, and I think it's not the last we're gonna hear from the Hanson brothers. I okay, I'll have a I have a Hanson brothers story. I remember I know they were they were on um, oh, they were on TV one night, and I and I it was recent. It was in LA. It was in this apartment. Mm-hmm. I was watching. I was just slipping the channels, mm-hmm. and I saw them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the kid, the young one, is still playing drums. The other one has got like a buzz haircut. Woo. And I watched them, and the young, the middle one, is. Man, that guy should just go solo. That guy was the lead singer. He the was playing keyboard. No, the, no the, the middle one, the good-looking uh, one. That's the one. Jordan. The yeah, girl, the he's chick. yeah. He he was um, more than just a pop performer. That's what I'm talking about. He was performing more like a real, like he had real something real, like, like, like a he real was really trying to express himself. That um, that's what I mean. I'm talking a, about. Not only a gifted performer, but a gifted vocalist. This is just wishful thinking. This, you see something that that sparks your interest for a minute there within a group that you have yeah. always relegated to just nothing. They're just that's, worse than that's, shit. That's They're what just I, that's what pop. I thought was the pop at its this worst. Brother edition. Yes, pop at its worst. And then and I guess I guess the there Hanson. was a natural there was a natural quality about <laughs> the way these guys were performing that I responded to for real. And I did not That's expect exactly what I felt. to respond to them but, at but all. But any other conversation about their 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 integrity, I or have their nothing moral to say about their music. or their I music, I got nothing to say. And I think everybody has some brothers. Uh, and I think uh, number ten, number X, would be Nathan and Seth Anderson. another movie review arachnophobia people this i mean is... it's summer so it's summer and i thought it would have a thriller with an edge and what i found for you was a comedy slash thriller slash horror slash sci-fi some science fiction <laughs> a little bit but all those things and more in this kind of summer extravaganza it, wait, is it 1990s 1990s when arachnophobia came out starring jeff daniels we John got jeff goodman. daniels goodman let's go into it here i mean this movie yeah this movie is kind of a tnt classic frank marshall's directed this and frank marshall he's a name you probably know this is the movie where he, i mean he directed the movie alive which i kind of dig i kind of dig but it's not something you lay you got to be in the mood for alive you know, it's a cannibalistic epic. Oh, people and, and, remember oh, he's that. Got, he did Alive, he did Congo, and he did some other, you know, one-word titled movies. Uh, but he produced tons of things, I and mean, we heard of this guy. This is the summary. A group of researchers are on a research expedition in Venezuela. Upon a routine trapping of insects, the researchers find two stunned spiders. 
in their trap. They are unlike any spiders they have ever seen. One of the spiders escapes and kills a researcher. Once the researcher is discovered dead, the spider hitches a it ride a back to the researcher's hometown. Uh, this, is, this is something I found. I don't even know. So in Southern California, a small town, there's a Dr. Ross Jennings. He has just moved in, and he is deathly afraid of these spiders. He has what they call arachnophobia. Now, the Venezuelan spider has reached the U.S. and has begun to dominate the town, Seth. Soon, people who appear completely healthy start to die suddenly. It is only after death that the town's only other doctor that Jennings realizes there may be a spider that is causing the death. Soon, they attract the attention of the head researcher in Venezuela. This is the guy that goes out there with him, Julian Sands. Dr. James Atherton. <laughs> you remember some of these characters' names? These are great. Never he sends in any movie, assistant I don't remember character names. To this town in California, only to verify that the Venezuelan spider has been involved. He informs he is informed that the Venezuelan spider plans on taking over its new area by creating reproductive offspring with a domestic house spider. This is so crazy, man. The Venezuelan spider. These things. When you, when you find these synopsis online, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. When the Venezuelan IMDb. spider kills the town and eventually the entire country. This is a this is the entire a, country. So it's like a virus. Warrior drones. It's yeah. like outbreak. It's like it's like spiders. It's like alien. <laughs> that that's the ultimate threat. It's a real it, mishmash. The ultimate ideas. threat is that these spiders and it's just alluded to that these spiders will propagate so much that they will actually destroy the whole country with their bites. So that I mean it's 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 crazy. We open we Spiders. open and we have an epic. We have an epic in Venezuela. We got these researchers and a and a it's photographer. It's shot like apocalypse now. It's just nuts. There's mm -hmm. helicopter shots and they do this whole track down Be of this Venezuelan spider. Beautiful shots like Jurassic Park shots. Which goes back to the horror elements we were talking about. Something foreign is also something very scary and something alien. I mean this is it's real mismatch of ideas. This movie in general, you got to talk about the tone, man. The comedy horror thing. How how do you think that went down? So so oh, oh it works fine. I mean, there's some sick stuff in this movie, man. The Venezuelan spider siphons a full-grown man, and then they got well, these. Well, he has a lot of time to yeah. do that. He's in On a his cop trip back to a cop. But but a spider would never do that, Seth. Okay, I don't know. The the people in the movie are very aloof by the, the actions of the spider. I'm gonna be with the Jennings. I'm gonna be with these guys, the house doctor. This is a killer. Man. So eventually, this spider from Venezuela, which drains a, f a hapless photographer that, that gets bitten, gets to this small California town. This spider comes right into contact with a guy who's got arachnophobia. So we get to talk about the psychological aspect of this film. The psychological That's aspect right the is goal, arachnophobia. You know, it's got this smart title, this literate title mm -hmm, about mm -hmm. this condition. Yeah. But you know, but it, it's just, just kind of like window dresses a really Never very really convenient plot where a Venezuelan super spider comes into contact Death with a spider. guy who's afraid of spiders from childhood because he was had this paralyzing experience where he was a baby and a spider yeah, crawled yeah, up his yeah, yeah. body. Damaging. I mean, really convenient writing. Convenient writing every single step of the way. All right. Mm -hmm. Is this storytelling? No, Nathan, this is not storytelling. <laughs> yeah. It's just hamming it it's up there. It's just happening to happen because we need it to happen. I mean, I can't. It, it is trying it, it, to dress itself up with a little bit of literacy. It harkens a little back bit a little smarts. bit to me. I was thinking about the movie Vertigo by Hitchcock. I mean, the thing about oh, disorders. That's, that's so different. Yeah, well, he the uses thing, the, the fascination that Hitchcock uses, had oh, yeah. with, with, you know, psychosis. and. But he interweaves that with but the plot so beautifully and does so yeah. much interesting <laughs> stuff. You can't even. I'm not comparing it to Vertigo. I'm just comparing it to that <laughs> idea. You know what I mean? It could have gone the one way. The germ of the idea is like, let's take a little psychological artifact and put that, plug that into our shitty giant spider movie. Yeah, I think anybody that has a problem with spiders, this is really a hard movie to watch. You could do that watch. with snakes. You could do that with any scary. This is a hard animal. movie to watch. I mean, this ain't like. 
these are real spiders, though. We're blessed to have this movie come out in 1990. There's no digital effects. I mean, I think the spider scenes, especially the last 10 minutes, I mean, give me the buzz. you got to be a robot I, not to I, have I, Compared to our other films, which The Edge had a little bit of psychological depth, <laughs> Sleeping with the, <laughs> the Enemy, edge, the I, could, I could sink my teeth into the, the women's issues. This film, I can't do anything with. Do we get yeah, the just, minds of the spiders I can't do anything with. No. It's like, they, no, seriously, the minds of the spiders. <laughs> yeah. I can't even get These in. These are thinking spiders, up. There's no subject. This is, movie's unironic. There's, there's nothing going on. It's just like every horror trope you've ever seen. I don't know if it's trying to throw psychology in there's there. There's kind of obstacles, and then there's kind of just body count, and then there's kind of so, just... So, anyway, these spiders get into Venezuela in town. There's a doctor, a town doctor, who's coming from the city. And a lot of these horror films and a lot of these monster films, they come to the quiet life thinking the city is dangerous. There's just rampant violence and so rampant street crime. It begins I'm going with to, the escape. Uh, yeah, you know, a lot of that. City. And then they go into this this quiet, quaint little town. They think nothing's going to happen perfect. here. And, of course, the most extreme thing of, of natural violence. A lotto ticket experience. It's the worst thing that would ever happen. Just like a lotto ticket of unluck. He's got this thing where he's going to be a doctor for this small town. He's got to prove himself. But his first case is this old woman who takes him under her wing and says, I believe in you. Right, and right. then she dies. And that's what kickstarts the, the whole thing with the spiders, the where a spider yeah. bites her hand. That kickstarts the rivalry with the doctor that's still in town that refuses to retire. He, they disagree yeah. on why the woman it's died. And then we find out the unraveling of the Venezuelan spiders. All the guys from the first half of the movie... Then get interwoven. Yeah, they come in the back into act the they come town. Back. Yeah. You got Julian Sands. This is an actor that's been with us. For he's been with us, and he's never gotten famous. He's, and, just, and he's never quite been good either. He is a British Pretty boy. stock actor. You could possibly put him in a Milos Forman film as a secondary character. He looks a lot like the epitome of almost Euro trash. Euro that trash. You, yeah. There you go. He's been in genre films that I liked when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. He was in Tale of a Vampire. Tale of a Vampire. That. Room with a View. He's just been around. You, you know this guy. Yeah, I think he's a lot of... time code. You know, but you never put him in a lead because he's not strong. No. Now we get to this comic thing that's supposed to be a, a big element of the film, a comic horror. Yeah. Uh, John Goodman personifies the com- comedic element. He's even got his own For me, it's a affable flash. theme song. He, he has curly hair. He's heaviest as he's ever been. I'll admit, a couple of good line deliveries that, that made he's me Quint smile. <laughs> yeah. And he, he just comes in and squirts, just wants to kill yeah, these yeah, spiders. He's just an exterminator. <laughs> which, which is probably a cry out for all these people that are just like, <laughs> so, he just comes and he steps on them, you know? Yeah, you know, there's nobody good. else to talk about other than Jeff Daniels, who is the leading man in this film, the Kevin Costner stand-in. There are two faces to Jeff Daniels. There's a serious diner. Purple Rose of Cairo. Yeah, diner, Purple diner, Rose. Yeah. Squid and the Whale, uh, Good Night and Good Luck. They're very broad comedies, too, yes. though. And, and there are... The, I haven't he, followed him too far. Really extremely broad, like Dumb and Dumber, where he's... Escanaba and the Moonlight. Escanaba. He, you know. Where he, you almost wonder about his talent, if he is talented. But then when he's serious, I really think he is worth to, worth watching. I really do. Yeah, there's something yeah. there under his eyes. Um, and he brings a sort of seriousness... I mean, he's he's fine. Yeah. Not like Ian Did McKellen he convey to you the, 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 the psychosis, the, the turmoil well, of someone with the Well, he had to because he was written to have to do... He, he, they he's, have, he's given a lot of screen time to, yeah. to portray that. And I don't know if he did. <laughs> All right? And a movie like this, you might need a little bit of... Even just a, like a taste of his flashback or some kind of... Yeah, like a flashback of him as a baby and an infant getting that spider crawling up his chest. He just kind of clams up. He kind of clams up, but... The spider's lair, uh, by coincidence or by just screenwriting, the spider's lair is in Jeff Daniels' barn. It's really really worth seeing that last ten minutes. And and it It reminds me, it it reminds us all of that 
awesome scene in Aliens, the better film, Aliens, where Sigourney realizes she's in deep shit, and only the sound of her flamethrower is there to they do a, remind they us they of do the a space. Flame, yeah, they do a fire. And thing. and and there's a flamethrower segment, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. A, a way of killing the spider. Oh, it's mano a mano, him and this Venezuela mother. The killer spider element um, belongs in a long history of horror films of this oh, yeah. type. The giant spider I invasion. Think I think there's a spider movie, spider horror film every two years. You know what they realized in the 50s with the giant spider invasion all that stuff? Make that thing big. Make that bigger than a human being. Yeah, because... Because a small a spider just ain't working. I, guess. I mean... Squish... It, it, this arachnophobia, it, it, it fits squarely in what I call the quote-unquote evil animal genre. These movies like Jaws, uh, a prime example, Nature goes wild. in which the animal kingdom basically produces serial killers that are incredibly hard to kill. You Intelligent know, Really hard killers. to kill because they're animals, they're erratic, they're not... We had this in The Edge. We had this in the edge with Bart the bear. A bear just going ape shit. Right. There's also <laughs> a bit of this reproductive ickiness shown in Alien that shows up in Arachnophobia. And even a bit of the Jason movies thrown in there into the mix with the girl in the shower scene where a spider comes down between right. her chest. And, even and we're tantalized. Bart can do all kinds of things, yeah. Right. And and the tantalized but also the, the, the specter of death, sex and death. Uh, I also note here that it's really fun to think of animals being evil, like like humans. But with spiders, it's not just a, like there's a good guy spider, like Charlotte's Web kind of spider, like kind of kind of has right, a smiley like, face there's, on there's it. Like, no, all spiders are Ted Bundy. You know what I'm saying? Like they're all waiting to just find that chance to take you down and well, take they're, down. They're, the, they're, and I think they're more vicious than and a Ted with Bundy. The, though. With they're this they're Venez- all <laughs> Satan, you know, like Satan faces. With this Venezuelan strain, it's like a race of evil spiders that have finally found their chance. They've been waiting for a it's human like, to come down into yeah, that pit. It just wants you to, It's just coming to kill you. And and um, no morals, just black black insects, Seth. Well, okay, so so here's where I think the I'll film ultimately fails. It's in the size of the bad guy. You got these <laughs> yeah. little spiders. I mean, yeah, okay, there's there's zero room for error Just if they bite it you. Yeah. Because one bite kills. But at the same time, it's these little things that are flying at you. Maybe it is that intimate, though, that intimate death. No. Where the thing, if it just bites you, if it pierces you, we're so, you know, it comes down to the slasher thing. The big thing about slasher films, inherently, that's uh, that, that, that we are afraid of, we're afraid of being cut open, you know, afraid of, and we're so vulnerable. So and, a spider just biting you in one Well, that's bite. a slasher film. This one is like just the bite, the little bite. Okay. Oh, it's Here, just a spider. Here's where I think I I really think for a movie like this to work, and I'm I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a blanket statement for a, for a, a slasher film because we are in the slasher genre, sort of like Jaws, picking off people, serial killers, whatever. The villain has to be the size of a human being or larger. Jaws is larger than a human; could take up a whole human. Like you, under, you understand? It's gotta be physically and, threatening. And okay, that one zero room for defect thing where it bites you it's dead that's that's a real legitimate threat yeah. it'll bite you you're dead and, I mean, and if it gets, they're small if it gets up in your clothes and, you, and it bites you i mean it's just like the fear of snakes i don't right. think i don't need a, i don't need a 20 foot snake to scare me that's legitimate but you know what you know a film that, <laughs> you know what a film that does it better and does it one bite you're dead dawn of the dead and, yeah. you, and you've got these things that are slow well, that's human, though. That's they human don't fear. but they don't look they don't seem to be Cannibalism is brought in there. It's brilliant, but like you can't reason um, with them. Which I think is scary with they spiders. They don't need you can't to reason with spider. 
the thing is, they're not fast. I didn't like 28 Days Later that they were fast. I liked that those zombies were slow and down to the slow dead. Death, and if they death. got up to you and they finally got Lurking to you, fear. or you that you didn't know where they were at a given time, they could take a chunk out of your leg, and you're and you're a zombie just like them, and you're dead. Well, that's great. That I like your so much I like your input there. Well, let's finish <laughs> off. Let's let's take a cool down, finish off, and do some trivia here. All right, Nathan's trivia. Woohoo! This is this is the first couple of things I've called from the internet there. Mustard packs were used for the effects of for all the squashing of the spiders underfoot. The sound of a spider being crushed by John Goodman, mm. you know, in that scene where he crushes it, was made by Foley artists crushing a couple of potato chips. I thought that was interesting to talk about. That's the very first bit of trivia, and it involves a spider death. You know, like <laughs> yeah, they're they're killing a lot of them in here. You know, in the scene where Doctor Ross is trapped in the corner of the cellar, you can see that the tarantula, when it starts climbing up his leg, this is the very end. Uh, it has a huge stick stuck to the side of it. And his body really? pushing along. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We were yeah. talking about the special effects in here. It does get a little cornball. And I don't think that's part of the, the aesthetic. The small spiders are all real. They look real good. The, uh, they're very creepy, yeah. Because it's, it's, it's intensely because creepy then, to though, see that, that is a very effective shot where it comes out of the sink. I mean, uh, yeah. I don't even know if... The, maybe there was, like, some, some cuts in the frames there, but it you, really Every time I good. see that shot, and they're stuck in the bathroom. Like, that. now all that stuff would be CG, honestly. It would be eight-legged freaks or whatever that right. is, like you're saying. Yeah. The small spiders used in the film were Avondondale spiders. This is a particular type of harmless species from the New Zealand. They, they, they I mean, when they, when you look at them, they're these like, like a fierce appearance. A spider. These are, a, they're kind of a docile member of the spiders. They're more of like the <laughs> crab-like. You know, crabs are frightening. The spiders that they use in the film. This is interesting to note. They, they weren't allowed back into New Zealand after they were in the states for quarantine reasons. The giant spider used in the film this was a species so of bird-eating tarantula. Like, you, you noticed it was a tarantula, which attains an 8-inch leg span or more. I mean, that was a mother. That was a huge mother. That was the Venezuela wow. guy. But they did have an animatronic one, I think. I know men that Those types of tarantulas are not easy to handle, and they can give a very nasty bite. So that was actually a thrill, thrill. But not kill. That's spider, yeah. No spiders were killed, but, dude, some of them looks like they got kind of swept up. So, in the end, That's Nathan, my trivia. I just want to finish off this little segment with your idea on the concept of the evil race of animal mm-hmm. there is no comparative evil race of men is there like an evil like an evil gender like, or an evil like an evil strain ethnicity i think human beings really can't understand the animal kingdom and their first reaction is to it looks evil it's fear yeah. that's why jaws works and that's why yeah, look at jaws it's an evil that's why i guy. think like dracula works with this this vampire bat and it's not even really what if you've seen a vampire bat they're probably as big as a Probably as big as a small, lar- or one of those oversized large. They're bandits. leathery wings, like, like, yeah. like, or mice. We don't know their inner life. So our first, Rat I think, tails. the first reaction in the human mind is to fear it. Uh, something that's foreign, especially insects. And they look. and that's why Drag is brilliant because we are all. Just to finish this out, we're all afraid of dark-haired. Euro trash looking men that are coming in, sneaking in on our women. You're talking about the foreigner? The no, foreigner. The, the unfaithful? All great oh, horror I, films. I, yeah, yeah. All great horror those films. Those guys are evil. <laughs> <laughs> Stealing our women, eh? And an
Achievement. At least it's a nice round number now. You know, we've been, we're kind of floating in the wind. We've been doing we've, some we've carved. Yeah. How about this? We've carved ten, ten beautiful sculptures out of that one piece of marble. We can look at it like that. Yes, that same piece of or marble. Or we've pulled ten pieces of garbage out of a large, oversized garbage bag. Either way you want to look at it, it's ten units of fun. So, honestly, I'd like to um, talk with anybody who's listening. I'm really um, happy with the correspondence we've had. Yeah. I've enjoyed a lot of the people we've we've been able that have been kind enough to give us their ideas and and what we on what we've been doing. Um, you can tell us what you like, what you don't like. We are open to everything and nothing at the same time. Um, if you personally want to write us letters, we're both at MySpace. I'm at www.myspace.slash backwards slash forward slash. Time is now, and Seth, you are at. Um, slash hear me now brother all one word all in one word the and our and our official fan club page hear me now brother is slash hmnb myspace yeah so that's again myspace.com slash hmnb i'm a little lost we're um, on myspace so go now look for i realize his friends talk to us i don't uh, know if i i don't know if i've mentioned this before but i do work in santa monica where we used to record now that we're, we're recording at miracle mile studios we we used to record in santa monica a lot and the sound quality was markedly better i just realized that we work across the street from MySpace, I don't know where. Okay, we I don't can't, know with we can't no. Divulge I, that. I can't even. I can't even. There's nothing to divulge. I I know that they are in an office building across the street from us, and that's the headquarters because there are a lot of dot com looking guys. I mean, well, I I know it for a fact because somebody I know talked I to us like, oh, we're on we're on so and so street as well. Oh, we're, we're we're just right across the street from you. It's like, oh wow, wow. Well, you know a secret that a lot I, of people want to know probably. They don't give out their headquarters because... They think it's a party going on over there? <laughs> yeah, there's things that happen in place. I think MySpace is a big joke, but uh, I, for one, have a good time You're on there. You're on there every day. Uh, so are you. 
I, I didn't go on there today. Every time I go on I did there, you're online on. well, now. Sometimes you got to get a idea to change your profile. <laughs> you're, you're like, oh, I got I to put that picture up. Oh, pick, what a waste of going to make some people laugh. I've been hearing it all over the place, man. I've been hearing people talking about it in the grocery store. I've been hearing people talking about it while I'm getting gas. I've been hearing people. It's everywhere. I've been hearing, you know, children talking like about it. Like a disease, yeah. like a plague. It's it's a worldwide internet plague. So uh, join us there, and also join us at our hearmenowbrother.blogspot.com. That's our official site. We got a lot of stuff up there now. Check it frequently because I just do blogs when I feel like it. When I feel a lean. And right. and I want to thank all of the great bands and the music that that are providing the music for our shows. We we love these bands. We want to get them out there. Refer to hearmenowbrother.blogspot.com to know uh, exactly what we played in this episode. I don't yep. know what we played just yet because I but haven't I'm sure chosen. It rocked. But it'll rock the house off, and we really want to get people listening to these bands, buying their music, watching them live. I know we're done here. I see it on the wall over there. There's a spider over there. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's nothing, but a, it's one of those little gray ones. I'm getting, I'm getting so buggy. Yeah, we got real buggy at the end of this film. So that, the music's coming. Oh, it's coming. The music's coming, and... It's I telling it. me that's the time. I got it. Do you hear oh, that? Mu- yeah, here's music. The music, the helicopters, and the music. It's signifying the end. <laughs> like Please Vietnam. have a good time wherever you are. Enjoy bye bye, life. people. Bye bye. It Nathan's is time bye-bye. to really take hold of the flame and enjoy where we are right now. Good night, everyone. Hear me now. X. HMNB, reveal yourself. Will the MPEG Layer 3 file come to us? Come into me. I name you now. Ask you to speak. You are now officially named. Now you must take form in front of us tonight. We command you. Take form now. Reveal yourself.